In honor of God's word, would you stand with me as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. If you're a guest with us, you just happen to have joined us when we're at this passage. And it's especially poignant because our brother um, John Schofield went home to be with the Lord on November 29th. And of course, recently, Sezo went home to be with the Lord. And our dear brother, Don Pearson, looks like he's going to be going home any time now. So uh, it's, no, it's God's providence that we've come to this point of 2 Corinthians at this time. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but that we should be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Amen. This is God's word. He can be seated. So in that uh, previous chapter, um, that wonderful chapter four of this letter, and if you weren't with us, I just encourage you to sit down and go through chapter four slowly and let it speak to your heart. What a powerful chapter. It gave us a perspective on, on life that's very different from the way that the world looks at things. He tells us that we are like fragile clay vessels, but we have this treasure inside, the new covenant in Christ Jesus. And even though life can be very difficult at times, as we were just talking about with those believers, God sees us through and he causes the world to see Jesus in us. We're always dying with Jesus on the cross so that others might see the life of Jesus in us. We have the promise of rising together from our graves as our new heavenly bodies meet our spirits in the air. And what we will experience then is so glorious that it makes the trials of this life light by comparison. That's why we are to focus on what's eternal and not this temporal passing world, which is that last verse of chapter four. Verse one, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So this verse is telling us that our bodies are gonna perish, no matter how we care for them. 
But instead of a new tent, we're going to get a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Home, brothers and sisters, home at last, never to move again. You know, one of the things in life that's really difficult is moving, right? And if you've moved a number of times, you know what a headache it is. Well, there's going to come a time when we have to move no more. Amen. Home, where neighbors are all loved ones, many of whom you had the pleasure of worshiping with in this life. We will all be complete. We will all be in the image of Jesus. Now, could you imagine a better neighborhood? Even if there's someone that's not on your list of that you'd want in the neighborhood, they're going to be like Jesus. Could you ask for better neighbors? So the best part of being home is that the Lord Jesus is the head of the household. He's our groom. And we'll, with our forever building, we're going to get to serve him. When I'm a good husband, and I have a lot of room for improvement, I show my wife love by doing little things like bringing her tea in the morning, turning down her bed at night, and starting the evening fire. But she way outserves me. But when we're at home with Jesus, we will be the bride. And the joy of serving the one we love will be unspeakable and overflowing with glory. I cannot express how much I long for that day. I'll have to accept the way Paul said it. It's better by far. The more I get to know Jesus, the more I want to be there before his glorified presence and to be in a body unhindered by this old nature. Our new dwelling will have eyes that can see the fullness of his glory Ears that are willing to hear the depth of every word he speaks. And a mind that's able to fully comprehend it all and a heart that is pure and ready to receive every word. God's grace allowed me to live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, uh, to travel to see much of the world, explored wonders in the ocean. He gave me a ministry of preaching the word and I don't think there's a greater privilege all that he's given me while knowing how undeserving I am. But all this goodness is only a shadow compared to what is to come. I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us, but he has revealed it to us by his spirit. Our eternal home was not made with hands. It was made by the word of the Lord. It's eternal and we'll never have to move again. Only then will we truly know what it means to be home. Verse two, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. The tent of this body is fearfully and wonderfully made, it tells us in Psalm 139, but it wears out. You know, uh, inventors would love to make something that was efficient as the human body. You know, they, they try to make the, uh, the artificial hearts, you know, 
And as much as they try, they can't make anything that is nearly as efficient as what God made. In fact, a lot of designs in nature are copies of the things that God made because God did everything so excellently. excellently. As a great a design as our human bodies are, this fallen world, uh, it just wears down. It wears out. So we get achy joints and... And as we age, we, uh, we put on weight where we don't want to, and, and we have aches and pains we never thought we'd have, and our minds work a little slower, and we're not physically as fast as we once were, so we groan, as Paul says here. And we long for that heavenly dwelling, that new body that he has for us. When we're in Christ, there's also this longing of putting off the old nature, once and for all, to be done with it forever. We grow tired of this constant battle. You know, Paul says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They'll never get along. There's just, just always the battle. We continually crucify our old nature. Paul says, I die daily, but someday he'll have to die no more. You and I will have to die no more because he'll have finished the work in us. Our desire is to be done with it once and for all so that we can worship undistracted and with nothing held back. And yet that present battle right now, it keeps us in prayer and it keeps us depending on the Lord. By writing not being found naked, Paul's alluding to, I believe Paul's alluding to the Garden of Eden. Whenever Paul's phraseology often is pulled right out of the Old Testament. So remember, the Hebrews see physical things as a picture of spiritual reality. So what he's saying is that we will no longer be found to be sinful creatures. Remember, the first couple sinned and they realized they were naked. Before that, they were clothed in glory. They suddenly realized it was gone and they were naked, sinful beings that needed to cover their nakedness. And man's been trying to cover himself ever since so that God doesn't see our vile nature. We do it with good deeds. We do it with religious rules. And all that's represented by the fig leaves, the perishable fig leaves that they put on themselves in the garden. But God had to provide a covering. And that's the message of the gospel. The lamb had to be slain to make the garment to cover their nakedness. Paul is saying that we long for a day when we will no longer need a temporary covering, for we will sin no more. Verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. While in these bodies, we don't want to just die and be bodiless, a spirit floating around, but we want a real covering, that permanent home. We want our mortal bodies overwhelmed, or as he says here, swallowed up by life. We want to be Christ-like at all times. He is life, and knowing him is life eternal, Jesus said in John 17, 3. When life is, when he is reigning on us, 
we are experiencing eternal life even now. Paul's speaking, though, of the day when the work in us is finished and when we see him as he is. Our sinful nature will be gone and only the victory over the old will remain. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we experience that to a degree even now when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and surrender completely to him. And that's why Paul tells us, clothe yourself with Christ. That's Romans 13, 14. We join Paul in that longing for that day, though, when we're unburdened by these fallen bodies and see ourselves swallowed up by life, the old gone and the new come, a Christ-like body. In Philippians 3.21, he talks about how he is able to conform us to the, the, that body that Christ has. In Romans 8.23, Paul calls it the redemption of our bodies. You know, when I was a child, I used to collect glass bottles because you could take them to the store and you could redeem them, right? Trash for cash. One day, Jesus is going to redeem these earthly tents for an eternal event, home, fit for the wonders of heaven. Verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. God prepared us for this transformation by sending his Son to take away our sin. He's our covering. But he also prepares us through suffering. The spirit we experience is a guarantee because he will not inhabit that which is unclean. So when we experience the spirit of God in our lives, we know where he is. We were made clean by the work of Christ on the cross. And that's why the presence of the spirit in our lives is an assurance that we have been accepted by God. The immortal swallowed up by immortality. That doesn't mean that we're not going to die, but it does mean that when we die, our spirit will go to be with our Lord. And at his coming, we'll receive those immortal dwellings. So sometimes people ask, so how do you experience the Holy Spirit's presence in you? How do you know you have that guarantee that this promise is yours? Well, one thing is your desires change. Your flesh might still crave some old pleasure, but you don't want to go there. Your desire is not to go there. You have a new hunger for God's word. That's one of the, the clear signs that you're new in Christ is you want God's word. You want to feed on it. People notice a change in your speech and your actions. You love talking to God in prayer. You begin to enjoy the company of godly people. There's a newfound joy and a peace that you didn't have before. Those are just some of the signs you have a guarantee of what is to come. Verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. If you are assured of your salvation and the promises of what to come, you can always be of good courage. This is a step beyond what he said twice in the last chapter, not losing heart. 
being of good courage is, is greater than just not losing heart. Like the Bible psalmist, as he writes, he expresses an increasing faith for, from not losing heart to always being of good courage. Reviewing the promises of God and the outcome of our faith can do the same for us today. Paul's encouraging those Corinthians and he's being encouraged at the same time. And that's often the case. We think things are going badly and then we come across someone in need and we comfort them that the, with the words the Holy Spirit gives us and we find out we are more comforted and encouraged. That's because the law of sowing and reaping. Give and it shall be given unto you. So at home in the body is referring to this present life. It shows us that in verse 1 and 8. Why would Paul write that we are away from the Lord? He's told us that Christ lives in us. We have this treasure inside us. He expresses that life through us, but our sight is filled with the things of this world. And it's by faith that we experience Jesus' presence in us. The Holy Spirit assures us that we are ch children of God, but we can't see with our eyes other than the fruit that we see in our lives, those changes that he's, that he's made in us. The expression away from the Lord means we're away from his manifest presence. Paul experienced that manifest presence on, on the road to Damascus, remember? And it blinded him. He experienced it when he was caught up to the second heaven, and later he will experience it in that raging storm when he's on the boat, and Jesus stands beside him and encourages him. In the letter to the Philippians, he wrote that he desired to depart and be with Christ. Wait, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was with him. He's talking about being in the manifest presence like he experienced at those different times. In other words, our faith becomes sight. That tells us that our experience of the manifest presence will be so much greater than we experience it now. It'll be perfect communion with Jesus. Jesus told the disciples that it was better for the Holy Spirit to be in them than for him to remain on the earth. What we need right now in this earthly life is that constant instruction and guidance of the Holy Spirit to carry out the things God's called us to do. But when we graduate from this life, while we do serve him in heaven, the focus is all going to be on worship. Note that, you know, serve and worship are actually the same word in Greek. Revelation 22.3 tells us that. It uses some translations say serve, some say worship. We'll be worshiping. Seeing Jesus in his glorified state like Paul did at his conversion is going to fill us to overflowing of adoration and praise. I guarantee you, your mind will not wonder at a worship service in heaven. <laughs> that is when Paul where Paul longed to be. It should be where every Christian longs to be. It's the reason that in memorial services, we celebrate their life instead of mourning their passing. Verse seven, for we walk by faith, not 
by sight. While we are in our earthly tents, we see what Paul described at the end of the last chapter, that which is transient. But our hearts are fixed on the eternal. But that's where our struggle comes in. The things of this world take our attention away from what is eternal. And we must constantly refocus and see the physical from the spiritual perspective. That, by the way, is why Hebrews see all things as representing spiritual reality and why Jesus speaks in parables involving nature. Eyes of faith see the spiritual parallels in nature and interpret the experiences of everyday life from an eternal perspective. Being born again includes eyes that see differently from the way the world sees. But if we don't feed our faith with the word of God, and constant use, then we allow that fleshly perspective to take over. But that's why our minds need to be continually renewed with the Word of God. Faith pleases God, but faith has to be exercised like a muscle, needs to exercise to stay toned and fit for serving the body. Walking by faith means that the normal Christian life should be one of seeing the world from a biblical perspective. It's to see God at work in the world around us and to join him at that work, in that work, at his direction. It's usually upside down from the world's perspective. Already in this letter, Paul has made the case that God works through fragile humanity who know that they're poor in spirit not the cunning and, and the assertive and the powerful of this world. He has shown us that suffering can produce dependence on God and build our character, thus being a blessing in disguise. In this passage, he's telling us that when we die, the believer is swallowed up by life. Do you see how the word of God remolds our thinking so that it's conformed to heaven's perspective? The world glorifies youth and beauty, but Paul's saying that, that all that is soon to pass away. But the person in Christ can grow and grow in grace and in spiritual insight as they age. Our most useful years can be in our old age as we deepen our walk with God. That's walking by faith and not by sight. Verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul repeats the point of the verses we're studying today. This is one of those eternal truths that we would do well to memorize and to hang on to. We are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That helps us readjust our focus, and it helps us put on those glasses of heavenly perspective. It's also a check to see if we're walking by faith or by sight. Are you discouraged? Then your vision is clouded by the transient. Do you want to live in this world for another hundred years? Then you're focused on the world and its pleasures and haven't yet experienced the love and joy of Jesus in intimate fellowship with him. Because if you've experienced it, you'll long to be there. I'm not describing this to discourage you, but to challenge you that there's so much more. Get alone with the Lord. Turn your phone off. Sit in silence 
and cry out to the Lord to show you how much he loves you. Have your Bible with you because he often speaks through the word, the written word. Clear your schedule, clear your mind, and say with Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. One of the most common questions I hear is, how can you tell the difference between your own mind and the Lord speaking to you? Well, what God speaks to you will always be in line with Scripture. That means you need to be familiar with God's Word. If you're not sure, ask a mature believer if what you're hearing is scriptural. Do not worry if you have a difficult time at first. It takes time to distinguish the difference. But the more you pray and listen, the sooner you will discern the difference. You have to practice it to learn it. A safe way to hear from the Lord is read your Bible. Because as you read the word, He'll speak to you out of those words. You'll know this is God speaking to you, that you're not just reading a passage. But you have to read it as if it's God's love letter to you because that's what it is. So read it as him speaking to you, and you'll find that there will be those special times when you go, this is God talking to me personally. When it becomes personal, your love for Jesus will deepen and you'll be longing to be in his manifest presence. Verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Our aim in this life and in the next will be to please our Lord and Savior. Obedience is the expression of faith and faith is what pleases the Lord. Paul tells us that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. We desire to please our spouse because we love them. It's the same in this life and in heaven. We just want to please the one who loved us to the extent of suffering and dying for us, enduring the wrath of God so that we would not have to. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only son to make us wretches his treasure. We love him because he first loved us. That's one reason Jesus told us to regularly experience communion. It reminds us of how much he sacrificed for us. At this time of year, we can meditate on the fact that Jesus left the glory of heaven and chose to come into this messed up, fallen world and experience humanity so that he could be our perfect high priest. The high priest of Israel had to be of the people of Israel so he could understand what they experienced. And that's one reason Jesus was tempted in every way that we are and yet without sin. He can perfectly relate to whatever you experience and guide you to the right response. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The reason we want to serve him is love, but... It also helps to know that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For us who are in Christ, we will be rewarded for faithful obedience. 
our sins. All the evil we have committed are covered and paid for by the blood of Christ. So what remains is reward for service rendered, that is, that which remains after it's tested by fire. That's part of the judgment. If this is also from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. Everything we have done will be tested by fire. If it was transient, if it was just your good idea, if it wasn't from the Spirit of God, it will end up as ashes. But every time you let the life of Christ through you, every time he worked in and through you because you were willing just to say, use me, Lord, you are going to receive a reward. Now, he does it all. It's all him. It's his strength. It's his prompting. It's his arranging the circumstances. But because you yielded, he rewards you. That's a gracious God. It reminds me of that, that parable of the laborers, you know, and they went out at the different hours of the day, and the guy that went the last hour of the day and only worked one hour got a full day's wage. And, and he says, Are, the other people explain, complained about it, and he says, are you mad at me because I'm generous? <laughs> he doesn't have to have a reason, but he looks for reasons because he wants to bless us. Our passage for today is challenging us to have the mindset of the kingdom of God, not this world. It promises us an eternal home in heaven that's far superior to the earthly tent of these bodies. It promises that our sinful nature is going to be gone once and for all, hallelujah, and that we will not be found naked. In other words, we're going to be reconstructed to perfection, swallowed up in life. We will be in the presence of the glorified Christ and not be blinded like Paul was on the road to Damascus, for our new eyes will be able to see the fullness of his glory. It challenges us to please him in all that we do and long for eternity in his presence. And finally, it reminds us that our generous Lord is going to reward us for all he does through us while we are in these earthly bodies. What a gracious and loving God we serve. He alone is worthy of our all. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Amen. Jill, would you lead us in a closing song and then we will share the benediction and a closing prayer. <clears throat>